Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. That time of the week again, the Rugby League ramp, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL talk. Welcome to the round 22 edition of the fifth and last NRL podcast and we're recording on a Wednesday and lucky we did because we just heard the announcement or earlier this morning we've heard the announcement that Jared Hayne will be joining the Gold Coast Titans on a two-year deal commencing this Sunday. He's going to be eligible to play against the Warriors at Seabus Super Stadium at 2 o'clock on Sunday. As a Titans fan, I am wrapped, really, really excited about this signing. I do have a few little question marks um, in and around this, uh, and and I'll get to that shortly when we hear from Jared. But uh, let's have a look at his career statistics. He's obviously played 176 games, scored 103 tries, two goals, three field goals, and 419 total points for the Parramatta Eels. He's played, uh, obviously, for New South Wales and for Australia, and he's won two Dalian medals. So he has done everything in the game apart from win a premiership, and I think that might be... Uh, you know, the cherry on top here that Jared's looking at. Uh, let's have a listen to what Jared had to say earlier today in his press conference. Um, yeah, it wasn't uh, the easiest decision for me to make. Um, it's been a, you know, very emotional uh, to, to make this decision, and it's something that, um, you know, took a lot. And, you know, I, I waited as long as I could. Um, and, you know, I guess for me, um, the opportunity to come up here and, be with such a um, you know strong club, not only on the field but off the field. Uh, it was a key indicator, and um, you know I never thought I'd join another club, and um, not in my wildest dreams. I I never thought uh, you know I'd be up in the uh, Gold Coast, and um, I guess everything happens for a reason. And um, you know, a, a part of me sad because obviously I've. I'm not going to go back to the club that I, that I grew up with and um, that I love as a, as a, as a kid and, and come through, but then that, that, that's the excitement as well um, of joining the Titans and knowing what they're about, um, their future going forward um, and, and being a part of that. Um, you know, it's a great roster and, you know, very honoured and, and blessed to, you know, to be up here. It's something that wasn't, it wasn't easy and, um, you know, I think, you know, at the end of the day, I wanted to play footy this year and the way that... You know, the board is at power and, and the things that have gone on there this year. Um, you know, we couldn't couldn't get something done and, uh, you know, it's it's sad and um, it, it hurts me just as much as I know it hurts the fans down there. Um, and I'm sure over the, you know, coming days and weeks, I guess, um, you know, everyone's going to have their opinion. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, I made this decision based on, on multiple of things and it's, it's hard to put your finger on one thing. But... Um, you know, I, I believe everything happens for a reason, and uh, it's just, you know, it is what it is. 
Okay, and that's what Jared Hayne had to say earlier this morning at his press conference when he announced that he was signing a two-year deal with the Gold Coast Titans. Now, I have a few questions coming out of this. If I just played you that uh, that soundbite, it, it really sounds like an Eels press conference. I mean, all Jared basically did there was, you know, say basically that the Eels hadn't given him an offer, so therefore he's going to go to the Titans. There was no real, you know, this is why I've chosen the Titans. They're a better, you know, club, better roster, better team. No, it was it was none of that. It was all about the Eels' mismanagement and how sad and emotional and uh, it is what it is were, were some of the words that he used um, in terms of describing, you know, the reasons he has uh, to not be at the Eels. Obviously, he said it's obviously going to play out over the next couple of weeks in terms of what went on behind the scenes. We're not privy to that at the moment. Obviously, it's only fresh on the press. But for me, the, the only people to blame in all of this, uh, and I know Parramatta fans are going to point the finger at Jared, and I'm by no means defending Jared here. I'm actually quite peeved as a Titans fan that all Jared could talk about in the press conference was about how he couldn't have signed with the Eels and how it's such a letdown and how he's so sad that he can't play for them. I have massive questions about you know, his motivations for the rest of the year and for this two-year deal. I really, really do. I'm going to reserve my judgment on it. I'm really, really excited in the fact that we've been able to attract a marquee player, obviously on the back of the Daily Cherry Evans debacle last year and, and losing him and having him do the backflip. I'm wrapped that we've been able to attract a marquee player, and I think a lot of that credit needs to go to the current roster and the current coach and obviously the administration. It's it's a great coup, but look, the Parramatta Eels are the ones to blame in all of this. Their, their mismanagement off the field, uh, they're the only people that we should be pointing the finger at and blaming here in this situation. They have bungled the whole club, uh, you know, obviously... From a roster point of view, they've, they've had to rebuild a little bit since Jared left two years ago to go to the NFL. But, I mean, this season, you know, it was only Friday that they released Kieran Foran. They, you know, gave up the room or room enough to, well, the reports were, that enough room to get Hayne under the cap. Now, Jared came out this morning and said that they hadn't offered him a contract or haven't hadn't made a formal offer of a contract. Now, whether that's because the CEO is away uh, or whether they just dropped the ball on this and thought that Jared would just keep waiting uh, remains to be seen. I guess that'll all come out in the wash. But to me, Parramatta, Parramatta fans, direct your anger towards your club, not to Jared Hayne. Uh, it's, it's, it is a business, I guess, uh, and Jared's made a, a footballing decision. He wants to play football this year. Uh, obviously, that wasn't going to happen with Parramatta with the situation their salary cap's in at the moment. And, you know, regardless, they're not going to be able to play finals football. So the Titans are firmly in the picture. I think this is going to increase the Titans' chances of playing finals this year. Uh, As I said, I'll reserve my judgment on the signing. I really hope that Jared's motivation is to go to the Titans because it's a better better club, better setup, um, and the fact that he thinks he's going to be able to play better football there than what he did at Parramatta. That question obviously remains to be seen, and that's only going to be proven on the field. you know, he's not—he's not a great speaker, Jared Hayne. I mean, he—he he didn't really articulate well what his motivations were. It's it sort of—it was just that I'm really sad that I couldn't sign with Parramatta, but I'll sign with the Gold Coast instead. So we'll see what happens. I, I really hope he plays this weekend, uh, if obviously he's in the right physical condition, uh, and we'll see how he performs and see how the rest of this year plays out. I, I'm willing to give him a pass on his form for this year. Obviously, it's going to take a lot of adjustment to come back obviously from the NFL, which is a really stop-start game, and Rugby Sevens, where he's had to shed a lot of weight 
uh, obviously, and get his aerobic capacity up. So, you know, whether he's in condition or good enough condition or specific enough condition to play in the NRL remains to be seen. I guess we'll see that on the weekend, hopefully. But for this year, I think he'll readjust. He'll have the preseason, and then we'll see how his form is next year. From a Titans perspective, I'm really, really hoping he gets back to that Deli M form. Uh, a lot of people talking about his age. Obviously, he's 28 years of age, but to me, that's not really going to be a factor in the because over the last two years, he's really, really played. I mean, he he got on the field in you know a handful of games for the 49ers, had a handful of plays for the 49ers. A lot of their training isn't overly physical, so I think he'll be quite fresh coming back in. Obviously, he's just done a, a pretty heavy, uh, you know, around a hundred day. Uh, sort of training routine with the sevens. I think if, if anything, that's going to put him in really good fitness. At least uh, you know his his short term fitness or his uh, anaerobic fitness will be quite good. His aerobic fitness, I'm not really sure whether he can stretch it out and play 80 minutes or you know that's going to obviously remain to be seen. But I'm really excited. Hopefully, he can get get back to that form. I'm disappointed in the way that the press conference came across. I'm sure Jared didn't mean for it to sound the way that it did. But as a Titans fan, it left me questioning his motivations whether you know he actually made a decision to come to the titans or he came to the titans because Parramatta basically couldn't table a deal for him so we'll see what plays out i really really look forward to him playing on sunday 2 p.m seabus super stadium against the warriors okay the other massive issue or the uh, the massive uh story coming out of the week was a Kieran Foran interview, which was printed and uh, in the Sunday Telegraph interview by Phil Rothfield. And look, I really, really hope this is the last time we have to speak about this uh, incident. Obviously, it all culminated from a an NRL perspective on Friday when Kieran was granted a release from the Parramatta Eels uh, from his multi-million dollar contract. Very disappointing for the Parramatta Club, obviously, but the health of Kieran Foran needs to come first. Look, from a wider perspective, I think we need to just let Kieran Foran rehab. I, I hope he can move away and, and uh, cut the cord from the game for a little while, for at least 12 months, rehab himself, get himself uh, you know, happy. Uh, I think the NRL has a responsibility here to support him financially. There are reports that he only received $100,000, and that's all he, basically he's going to end up with once uh, the settlement between him and his former partner uh, is all done, she is apparently going to get the three houses and she's obviously looking after the two kids. Um, look, I think the NRL has a massive responsibility here financially. I'd be very, very happy for them to tip into the uh, dip into the war chest, as David Smith used to call it. But I think the game should do everything they possibly can to support him financially. He's at his lowest of lows, even though he's uh, reportedly picked up a little bit in the last two weeks. But... You know, he's he's gone through a lot. He's obviously had the drug overdose where he tried to commit suicide. He's, he's spoken openly that he, he wanted to die. That was the headline out of the article on the weekend. He was sleeping in his car, travelling up and back from Cessnock uh, to see his brother Liam or, or stay with his brother Liam and then go to Parramatta training every day. He was sleeping on the side of freeways. Um, the fact that he had to check himself into a mental health clinic before Christmas, uh, and then again, obviously, in the last few months when he took indefinite leave from the Parramatta Eels. I think this also says a little bit about the stigma that's still involved in the game, the fact that he was really, really embarrassed and, and felt really relieved when this issue came out and it was you know, widely accepted. I think there's a real stigma amongst the game that 
you know, mental health is weakness or, you know, you're soft or whatever. You should be able to deal with things and just get on with life. I think we've got a long way to go still in the game and the fact that he felt as though he needed to keep this to himself to the point where he almost killed himself or he didn't really see a way out of this. Um, I'm really glad, you know, reading the article that he's amicable with his partner, um, he's seeing his kids and ultimately his goal is to make sure that um, his partner's well set up and supported and she's going to try and do her best to raise the kids, obviously, with Kieran's support. Um, Look, the other rumour, obviously, that was floating around, we didn't mention it on the podcast because I thought it would be irresponsible to do so uh, and, and it wasn't really printed in the media, so I think the media should take a bow for the fact that they didn't report the uh, the rumours about whose father or may have been the father of the latest child that Rebecca Pope had with Kieran Foran. I think it's uh, it was a really, really poor rumour to circulate, especially when there was no solid evidence to support it. Even if there was, that's an issue obviously between the player, Kieran, and you know his former partner, Rebecca Pope, we didn't really want to speak about it, and I'm really glad that those rumours have got put to bed through Kieran in this interview. Uh, Look, the other issue was his gambling. There were reports, obviously, that he he gambled tens and thousands of dollars, and you know there was one or or a couple of occasions there where he uh, he he gambled and lost tens of thousands of dollars. Now, look, in the end, it's Kieran's money. Um, I think that's more a reflection not on the fact that he's a heavy gambler or he's got a gambling problem. I think it probably just it highlights where Kieran's head was at at that point of time. He was probably looking for a distraction, uh, you know, and, and gambling was that out for him. Uh, the reports that, you know, it's irresponsible for him to have a relationship with Eddie Hayson, to me, is a little bit of a stretch. I, I don't really think that uh, you can draw a line or draw any connection between Hayson and, you know, the situation that Kieran Foran finds himself in. You know, obviously, Eddie Hayson, he's, he's been a brothel owner. He's, a, you know, a bit of an underground figure in Sydney. Probably not underground is not the right word, but he's, you know, he's a colourful Sydney identity, that's for sure. I don't know Eddie. I don't know Kieran. But, look, I, I hardly find it. I find it a long bow to draw to, fact, uh, to say that Eddie Hayson has got anything to do with the predicament that Kieran Foran's in. Anything, uh, if anything, I think Hayson's been a, a good support for Kieran and been a mate, just as, you know, we've all got mates and uh, they'd support us through a similar situation. Uh, the line here, obviously, between Hayson and Rothfield, that's been a, another story within itself this week in the fact that Phil Rothfield said to have taken payments from Eddie Hayson in a little bit of a cash-for-comment controversy, obviously, uh, look, that looks a little bit dodgy to me in the fact that Rothfield got this interview. Uh, I would have expected it to end up on one of the big TV networks. Fox actually recorded the interview and pulled it. So that tells me that, you know, not everything or Fox weren't comfortable with that everything was above board, obviously, with the uh, the Rothfield-Hayson, uh, you know, investigation that's ongoing. That was reported last night by Paul Kenny. He confirmed that there was, a, uh, there was an investigation going on through news uh, that... You know, into the dealings that Eddie Hayson has had, uh, you know, in relation to some of the journalists within that organisation. So, look, I'm really glad that Kieran's smiling again. Obviously, Kieran, I doubt he listens to the podcast, but if he does, we wish you all the best. So, hopefully, see him back on the field. I mean, if you would have said to me at the start of the year that Kieran Foran's life would have unravelled like this, um, I would have been shocked and you know, devastated. I mean, I mean, he's, he was, if you said to me, he would have been the top 10 guys that I would have thought would not have ever, 
had an issue like this. It, it definitely didn't appear so on the surface, and that just probably highlights the point that we've got a long way to go with mental health. Uh, people need to feel comfortable uh, to come out and discuss it and fix it and, and get their head around it before it gets to the point where you want to take your own life. So, Kieran, all the best. I, I hope to see him back in the game, but if we don't, I just hope that he he has the ability to live a long uh, and happy life free of mental illness. Well, here I was thinking that we might have had a, uh, a, a week free of NRL bunker controversy, but look, Thursday night's game, Herman Assese, uh he came under review for a try. It was called try on the field. His elbow touched the ground. He then rolled over and then promoted the ball uh, to score a try. Live, when I saw it, I thought it was a no try. Uh, it was deemed no try once it was reviewed by the bunker. Social media was outraged. Uh, a few commentators were outraged. Now, I tend to agree with what Paul Kent said last night on NRL 360, and a lot of people don't know the rules. Uh, it, the simple fact is that once Herman Sesay's arm carrying the ball touches the ground, uh, or the elbow touches the ground, he's then not allowed to progress the ball to his advantage, uh, which he does. He clearly does. Uh, he has every right to roll with the momentum, but he has no right to extend his arm uh, out in order to score the try. Now, if he doesn't extend his arm, he doesn't score the try. That's why it's disallowed. So for anyone out there who disagree with the decision, I encourage you to go and read the rule book, uh, have another look at it, and uh, you know, see if you, you can't change your mind or see where the NRL bunker is coming to in terms of their interpretation of the rules. But let's have a listen to what Tony Archer had to say in his uh, post-game report. The rules relating to this area of the game is that a try should be awarded if momentum of the tackle player carries him into the end goal. However, a tackle player should be penalised if he makes a second movement to place the ball over the line for a try. You can see on this play that the player's arm comes in contact with the ground. At that point, the momentum must take him into the end goal, but you can see that he pushes off his leg and also promotes the ball over the defenders this constitutes a double movement okay there you have it from tony archer and look i agree on this one i think the nrl bunker's been all wrong on a whole heap of issues this year but this one i think they got it right so a round of applause for me i'm, I'm willing to say i'm willing to support the bunker on this one i'm not sure how you guys feel as fans of the game but again i encourage you to go and read the rules i think they got it right by the letter of the law now, when we're talking about the letter of the law, the probably the biggest controversy coming out of this weekend is the fact that Tyson Frizzell was charged for minimal contact on a referee in Friday night football. Now, the rules obviously changed just this week. This past week, a memo was sent out via email to all the NRL clubs stating that any contact, whether you know accidental or incidental or whatever, with a referee, you are going to be charged. Now... To me, I find it very, very difficult to cop this because we constantly change rules during the season. I think the interpretation that was had for the first you know, 21 rounds of the competition should have been seen through all the way to the end. I don't think we had any glaring uh, incidences of contact with the referee that were a bad look for the game uh, or that it was rife within the game. I think Tyson Brazil on this occasion... 
I think they just got their wires crossed. I mean, how many times do you walk down a shopping aisle or walk down a pathway and, and you know, accidentally run into someone or brush someone on the way past? I mean, it, it just happens in life. There was absolutely no intent in it at all for me. By the letter of the law and the fact that they've changed the rules, I think they got it right. Okay, so right in terms of the technicality to which they've changed the rules this week, I think they got the decision right by the letter of the law. However, I have a massive issue in the fact that they're changing the rules this far into a season. Uh, look, I'd like... Obviously, the horse is bolted now, but for me now, any touch on the referee, you have to charge all of them. And we, we saw Jonathan Thurston and Cameron Smith and a few players of higher notoriety get away with a few earlier in the season. So, you know, that to me was a contradiction and an inconsistency, which, you know, seems to be rife within the game at the moment. But look, I feel really, really sorry for Tyson Brazil. I think he's been the Dragons' best player. I think he was New South Wales' best player in the last two games of State of Origin. That's going to be a massive blow to them when they take on Brisbane tomorrow night in a must-win game. Uh, It's really come at the wrong time for the Dragons. Look, I think technically to the letter of the law and the fact that they've changed the rules, they've got the call right, but I don't agree with it. I think we should have stayed with the same interpretation for the rest of this year. If the NRL wanted to look at this, they should have done it in the off-season and changed the rules I hate the fact that we can change the rules during a season. I think, you know, it's it's really, really poor and really, really unprofessional. You know, you don't see any uh, any major competitions across the world. You know, when we're looking at NFL, NBA, Premier League, they never change their rules during the season. Never, ever do. And it, and it shouldn't happen because teams prepare uh, a certain way to play and obviously they adapt to the rules. So, therefore, they shouldn't be changed. The post shouldn't be moved during competition. So have your say on that. Jump onto Facebook, jump onto Twitter and have your say on the Tyson Frizzell incident. But I think 99% of us are on the same page with this one. Now, the other one was James Maloney. Now, watching the game live on Monday night, I did not notice this incident. I know Conrad Hurrell stayed down. I saw the replay. I didn't think there was much in it. I thought Hurrell, if anything, was trying to milk a penalty. The conversations coming out of the game uh, obviously were that the conversation between Maloney and Hurrell on the field was that Hurrell said that he was trying to milk a penalty. That's the only reason he stayed down. Look, to me, Maloney's contact you know, was borderline. It was on the knee. Uh, he was, he'd lost his legs. All he sort of did was lift uh, Hurrell's foot up and you know, drive a little bit. I see that happen in most tackles, particularly when a man goes in, third man in at the legs. A lot of them will, you know, go in and, and sort of pull the foot up towards, uh, you know, the knee in that natural movement backwards. But I, I really, really struggle to think that how the hell does James Maloney get two weeks for this? And then yet on Friday night in the game we've just spoken about where Tyson Frizzell was charged for having accident, accidental at worst contact with a referee when Josh Reynolds trips deliberately trips for the fourth time this season and escapes charge for the fourth time this season. It is The rules at the moment are ridiculous. The interpretations are ridiculous. To me, a trip and to be, you know, one trip, I can cop it. If, if it's an accident, you know, you accidentally stick your leg out. I, I never did it in my playing career, so I'm not going to make excuses for anyone else. But if it happened once and someone genuinely said, look, it's an accident, I didn't mean it, I could cop that. I could cop them escaping suspension, providing obviously it didn't cause a serious injury or it wasn't you know, overtly deliberate and the person's just pulling your leg. Uh, but this is the fourth occasion this year for Josh Reynolds uh, to be tripping. I, I find it absolutely dumbfounding that when you know a first-time watcher of rugby league could turn on the television 
and, you know, read the paper on Monday and they could watch the game and watch someone deliberately trip someone and they don't get suspended, but yet someone that brushes past the referee does. I don't think anyone in their right, in a right mind of common sense would understand and, and, and agree with that. The game, it, it's lost the plot in regards to... Uh, the, to the letter of the law, the changing of the rules, the judiciary system, the match review committee, the bunker. Who's in control? What are the rules? What are the processes? Let's simplify it, peel it right back. I think we need a knockdown and rebuild over this off-season. Look, it's going to have to continue the way in its current form for the rest of the year. I mean, we can't go changing all the rules and processes now. Uh, you know, to me, suspensions and, and uh, you know, the fact that we had Wade Graham miss Origin two, uh, Origin two for, a, you know, a borderline dangerous tackle. I don't think it was that dangerous. He made minimal contact with Thurston's head, but yet he misses an Origin game. Oh, there are hundreds and hundreds of inconsistencies going on within the game at the moment. It is frustrating the shit out of me, as you can probably tell. Look, I'm not going to harp on too much uh, on this for any longer, but, you know, again, take to social media. Let me know what you think. I think, again, we're all on the same page. I don't think Frizzell should have been charged. I can't see why Maloney was charged, and I think Josh Reynolds should have been suspended. You know, and this has been said a hundred times, but back in the day, as a trip was a send-off. I'm not sure what you've got to do to get sent off anymore. Um, but, you know, all you've got to do is brush past the ref to get, to get a one-week suspension. The game's gone mad. Alrighty, and the last little uh, mention I wanted to give to kick off the podcast this week was to the NRL uh, rookie winner who was fortunate enough to win the competition last night, Lou Goodwin, who has signed a rookie contract with the Canberra Raiders. I was a little bit peeved he didn't uh, he didn't sign with the Gold Coast Titans, but I mean we got Jared Hayne today, so you know I'd, I'd much rather Jared than Lou. So don't take any offence to that, Lou. But well done, mate. I thought he was a standout when I uh, when myself and Lewis spoke to Mark about uh, you know this was you know in the summer when this was all recorded and started. Myself and Lewis said oh, we really couldn't see anyone else winning it, but Lou Goodwin, not knowing all the people that were in there, I thought Chris Hyde was uh, very very unlucky. I thought he was the other standout. He he could easily slot in and probably play New South Wales Cup and, and borderline NRL at the moment. I think Jordan Martin. Uh, to me, I thought he was probably a little bit lucky to get through uh, to the final. I thought there were a lot of weaknesses in his game, and he's a young man. But I think he, you know, if a club wanted to pick him up and throw him in New South Wales Cup and try and develop him a little, I think he could benefit from that. And he's only a young man. He's got time on his side. I think Lou Goodwin's time is now, if, if it's ever going to be, 26 years old. And Chris Hyde, look, he could slot in. He might even have a career playing New South Wales Cup for the next three or four years. I don't think... Uh, you'd lose anything by throwing him on your books and giving him an opportunity anyway. Look, I thought the show... Look, I enjoyed it. I think there could be some tweaks and improvements they can make uh, to the show, but you know, all in all, I enjoyed it. I watched most episodes, and I hope it continues and they, they renew it for a second season in 2017. We're going to jump straight into the Fast Five. Obviously, the highlight, low light, best and worst coming out of round 21 in the NRL. And then I'm going to jump in and answer as many of the listener questions through Facebook and Twitter as I possibly can. 
My highlight, the 90-minute thriller between the Titans and the Sharks, that was a highlight of my week. I thought it was a really, really entertaining game. I thought the Titans and the Sharks left it all on the field. I think it would have been an unfair result for someone to have to lose that game. I mean, the Titans went within a, a lacquer of paint of that James Maloney field goal going over and, and having a heartbreaking loss in Golden Point. Look, to me, I think that point will either get the Titans in or, or be the reason the Titans miss the finals. Obviously, with Jared Hayne jumping on board now, I think their their finals chances have improved again. Uh, look, my low light for the week, I think inconsistent decisions. I've just had a rant about it, uh, but the Tyson Frizzell, he gets suspended for a week. Josh Reynolds trips, he can't play. And the bunker just continuing, continually contradicting itself. I think I, I did agree to a degree with what Paul Gallen had to say on Monday night in the fact that uh, I think it was a try in the right-hand corner where a Titans lead runner sort of went out and bumped James Maloney. I don't think James Maloney would have got there. I think, you know, he would have been really stiff to take that try off the Titans, but I can see where Gallen was coming from. But I think also the players have got to take some ownership over the way that they speak and treat uh, treat referees. There's a lot of uh, poor communication going on backwards and forwards. The other one, obviously, last week was uh, Paul Green having a crack at Ben Cummins, um, you know, in the way that he was speaking to the players on Saturday night. So, you know, and, and that's not the first complaint that's been made about Ben Cummins this year. So I think the NRL really does need to have a little bit of a look at it. And he, he does. He does speak to players poorly. And, you know, the rapport between players and referees probably... You know, is it a low? I don't know whether it's at an all-time low, but it's certainly not at any any sort of high. Uh, my best for the week, I think the Raiders. They hammered the Rabbitohs on Sunday. They stormed into the top four. They look a real threat, providing they can produce an 80-minute performance. I, I don't even think that one on Sunday was an 80-minute performance, to be fair. And, you know, that was my worry. I left the Rabido, uh, I left the Raiders out of my eight. I had them ninth. I had the Rabbitohs eighth. I wish I could flip it now. I got that one wrong, but... My concern was that I thought that the Rabbitohs would be more of an 80-minute team than what the Raiders are. Uh, look, they're now in the top four, the Raiders. They've got uh, you know a difficult couple of weeks coming up, so we're going to get a little bit of a litmus test. I think they play the Sharks this week and then the Storm the week after. So they're definitely going to get a litmus test. My worst came out of the same game. The South Sydney Rabbitohs, the situation there is not improving at all. Michael Maguire is going to be under pressure if performances like that continue. Between now and the end of the season, he needs to find some sort of solution there to make this situation look a little bit better than what it currently does. He spent massive money and massive amount of effort getting Sam Burgess back to the club. He's had to shed players. Sam Burgess's form this year has been poor at best. Uh, you know, I think his effort's been outstanding, but his attention to detail, uh, his discipline, his error rate has been awful. And the two twins aren't far behind him. I think, you know, for the money that those those three are chewing up in the cap, the amount of players that they've obviously had to push aside in order to to get Sam back to the club, I think it's it's backfired in, in Michael Maguire's face. And I also think this is probably a perfect case study for, you know, when, it, when a team wins a competition, all you want to do is sign your players, re-sign that whole roster. The roster that won the competition, let's get them all signed, sealed, locked up for the long term. Now... To me, Michael McGuire is now handcuffed to this roster. I'm not really sure how he's going to wiggle and move and, and, and make this situation better without having to ride this out for a couple of years. And I'm not really sure whether, one, Russell Crowe is going to have the patience and the ownership at South Sydney are going to have the patience to put up with results like this for a couple of years. And two, I'm not sure whether Michael McGuire wants to stick around and tough this out for a couple of years to turn it back around. But, 
you know, we, we speak about the, the Cowboys this year, how fortunate they are to have the 17 players that ran out last year. I mean, it's great to have them there, providing that they're playing as well as they were the year before. I, I think we need to be careful in that, you know, if, if, if you've got 17 players or 20 players or 25 players that win a competition, you shouldn't just re-sign them all because they won the competition. You should, you should always be trying to evolve and improve your roster. Uh, South Sydney, to me, just looked like they rushed and panicked and tried to sign everyone um, and back up. And to me, there was even in the side that won the competition, there were a few glaring weaknesses in that side for mine. Um, and, and a few of those players are still there. I'm not going to name them, but uh, it's just my opinion. Uh, that's for sure. Look, I'll take a short break and then we'll be back uh, and I'll answer the listener questions. Alrighty, moving on to some questions from this week and Murray Canallan. He thinks the biggest issues coming out of the week were touching the ref, touching the ref, and number three, C1 and 2, touching the ref. Steel Sports. Uh, look, they think the bunker, good manners, and the retro round on Fox. Look, I've got, I've got to make a comment on the retro round on Fox Sports. I thought it was uh, absolutely outstanding. I, I thought everything that they did uh, really added something to the coverage this week. And, you know, I don't think you could do it every week, obviously, but once a year it's nice to reminisce and nice to go back and nice to. Uh, it was really nice to have Graham Hughes commentate on a game. I, I can't remember the last time. Uh, Hughes obviously uh, lead call or had a lead call. Um, definitely not in my time of being uh, a teenager or a young adult. I must have been a bub uh, back when he he was calling the game, but I thought he did a good job um, having been out of the game for so long. Chris Crow is Madge under pressure. Now, I, I went over this a little bit earlier, but I think he will be if those performances like that continue, definitely. Jordan Redwell, how come ref not tell Gallon about Bird running in from a mile away? Well... I don't think either of them are going to tell the ref about either of them running in. I think nearly every player on the field running in that melee uh, between the Titans and the Sharks on Monday night. Uh, Peter Dixon, main issue is how Josh Reynolds gets off for a blatant trip and Frizzell gets one week for touching a ref on the arm. Yeah, mate, totally agree. He's got another issue here. His fans, players, completely lost confidence in the bunker decisions. Well, I think the bunkers lost confidence in their own decisions. They don't know what's going on. Uh, Gavin. Uh, your thoughts on the Challenge Cup semi-finals? The final should be a cracker. Thanks for coaching. Answer last week. No worries, Gav. Look, mate. I think uh, I think they've got the right two sides. I think Warrington, um, for me, has probably been the form side in Super League or close enough to. And I think Hull uh, have been right up there as well. So I think the Challenge Cup final will be a cracker. I'd have to give Warrington obviously the edge. They've got Sandow and Gidley and a couple of guys going really well for them. They've got a pretty strong forward pack, but don't leave uh, Hull without a shout. I think they're, they're a decent chance, and I really look forward to that game. I think the Super 8s for the Super League uh, this year, which kick off this weekend, will be really good as well. And obviously, my Leeds Rhinos are going to be trying to fight to stay up in Super League in the middle eights. Now, Luke Tomlins, if the Titans had an outright win last night, I would have picked the round. What are your trouble-tipping games this weekend? Um, without having the round in front of me, mate, um, I'm not too sure. I think, uh, actually, tell a lie, the Roosters-Panthers game for me is a trouble one. I'm having a, a lot of trouble trying to work out who will win that game, so that would be my pick this week. Uh, what do we got here? Neil. Haynes said weeks ago he was no lock for the Eels. Watch his space next few days, folks. He's headed for the glitter strip, so a few people were ahead of the turn. 
uh, were turning off with every game. Curtis Woodward, uh, epidemic, again, losing fans, rugby league news. This is all in reference to the bunker and the decisions around uh, touching the referee, the suspensions, Josh Reynolds, etc., etc. Forget AFL and everything else. These robots are changing our game. Full-time officials are looking for something to do and are killing our game. These are all from Curtis Woodward. He was, he was on a bit of a Twitter rant. Uh, Tom Rogers, one of two things currently happening in Brock's house, dancing with tears or just tears, 1.2 a season. Is Hayne worth it? Uh, I think he is. We've got the money there. So, you know, if you're going to spend that sort of money, you want to do it on someone that's uh, tried and tested. I, I had a, a few issues with splurging all that money on Cherry Evans because, you know, he hadn't won a Daly M. I know he's won a competition, but, look, he hadn't played Origin at a high level. Like, he's sort of been in and out of the Origin side. So... Look, I'm happy for them to spend the money on Hayne. If you're going to do it, you do it on someone that's won two Dally M's. The only other player that's won that many Dally M's is Jonathan Thurston, and we're no hope of signing him. So I think it's a good decision. Whether it ends up or works out good or bad, I don't think anyone can criticise the Titans for at least having a crack at it. Uh, Judd, it's always been a big dream of Hayne to play for the Titans. Yeah, well, it will be now because he's there. Uh, Chris Cohen, how can he play for the Titans but little is not for the Tigers? Uh, I'm not too sure how that one works. Maybe in relation to second-tier salary caps. Um, also, Chris, the Titans are, the Titans can fit him under the cap this year. That's what a lot of people have missed on this. The, the Gold Coast Titans are more than $1.2 million under the cap. So I don't have a problem with them, you know, whether this was my side or whether it was Newcastle. If someone said to me tomorrow that Hayne had signed with Newcastle, he's going to play this weekend, why not? If, they, if they've got the cap space there, then I think they've got every right to, to sign him. Uh, in relation to Little... And the Tigers, again, that comes back to something similar to what the Eels are going through and the fact that they've mismanaged their cap. They're, they're benching a bloke that's on $900,000 and playing him in reserve grade. So I think, you know, when you look at the way that the caps are managed, there's a vast difference between the Titans. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And the Tigers, that's for sure. Gareth, um, I think Hayne picked a better team for his career, and if not, the cap space, no reason why should he not play this year. Yeah, I agree. I've just said that. Uh, the Red V for life. How is he allowed to play this weekend? The deadline is over, plain and simple. It's a joke. It's not a joke because he's not a registered player. It's not a transfer. That The June 30 uh, is for player transfers from club to club. This is someone who is coming out. The, the Titans are underneath the cap. It's simple. That's They're the rules, mate. Uh, Sam Sainsbury, they'll win their next four and finish fifth. Well, I hope they do. The Titans, he, uh, I'm gathering that's in reference to. NRL equals, do, equals dollars and the game is not the game I once loved. But whatever, another day, another Springer-like headline. That's from Footy Mum 3. I don't understand what all the outrage is about. He signed a two-year deal. Um, she might obviously be an Eels fan. He's available to play this weekend because, you know, he hasn't played in the NRL at all. If it was someone obviously transferring from another club, it's after the deadline. It can't happen. But he's coming from outside the game. We're under the cap. Well, the Titans are under the cap. Uh, and he's free to play. I don't, I don't have an issue with it. So... 
Uh, as I said, if it was another club that's under the cap and they sign someone tomorrow from outside of the game, I don't have an issue, but I think it's good for the game. James Hope agrees. He said it's great for the Titans and the NRL and rugby league in general on the Gold Coast. And he's right. The rugby league on the Gold Coast was borderline dead two years ago. Um, and last year didn't really help when Cherry Evans backflipped and you know they finished outside the eight. A lot of people probably don't know that the Titans haven't played in the final since 2010. Uh, it's almost six years. So hopefully they can get in there and it... Uh, it sparks a little bit of interest on the um, on the Gold Coast, and we can get into the finals. Jono, he thinks it's brilliant. Martin uh, Bajkowski, hopefully a marquee player that actually delivers for the Titans. Well, I agree. I, and we've had a few there that um, we've had mixed results with. I think early on, early doors, obviously Campbell, Rogers, Lafranchi, Prince, they all delivered. But you know, in the last few years, we've definitely had a few lean marquee signings. That's for sure. I totally agree, Martin. Adam Stephenson. Uh, you've had a bonus since this was announced. <laughs> since this was announced, well, not quite, but I am excited. I'm pretty happy, but I do reserve my judgment after hearing what Hayne obviously said in the press conferences. Uh, Michael Johnson, hey Brock, are you up or down on the Hayne plane landing at the Gold Coast Airport? They just went from fifty-seven to seventeen dollars to win the comp. Look, I think even with him there, they can't win the comp this year. Um, I, I think he could improve them significantly. I think they could be. I don't even think they're going to be a top four side. I, I think it, it cements them in that. Uh, you know, cluster of teams probably from five to eight. I think they should land somewhere in there, and I think that's where they'll finish this year. If they finish any higher than that, I'll be wrapped. Uh, Martin again with the Dogs and Raiders uh, competing for top four finish. What is the gap between them and third? Well, the, the Raiders are now ahead of the Cowboys, so the, the Dogs, Raiders, Cowboys are all pretty close. Um, I think the Raiders now really probably have to give favouritism to to finish fourth, but. Uh, that's a lottery, that one. Brisbane have dropped the ball. The dogs have sort of slid away. I think there's a bit of fool's gold in the dogs' form. If I had to, if I had to say, you know, obviously who's the better team out of those three, it's the Raiders. They're playing much better football than the Broncos and the Bulldogs at this point in time. And last one from Twitter, Martin again, would you like uh, a Super League-style top eight where everyone plays each other with a top four semi-final help to negate origin? No, I like the final series how it is, Martin. I, I think we need to reduce the season uh, and just so everyone plays everyone once or split into conferences or something, I think 24 games is probably too many. I think if we could land around, you know, maybe even expand the competition to 20 teams eventually, this is, you know, this is end game later on, but uh, expand it to 20, have 19 games and a bye, 20 rounds total. I think that's nice. And then have your, obviously, your state of origin and your rep rounds as standalone. I think the state of origin... Uh, should come first, and then you have an international test after the Origin Series, but that's just my way of thinking. Um, we'll jump now over to Facebook. And Sam Fisher, he thinks the referees need more training. Fix the extra time rule or get rid of it. I totally agree with that. Stop picking on the Warriors. <laughs> We're not picking on the Warriors, mate. They've been playing well the last month, um, and look, this year they haven't really had a slide after Origin, which everyone probably expected. Uh, Daniel Friend, the bunker, just plain stinks. Well, it's not going that well at the moment. I tend to agree. Uh, David Whitmarsh, the whinging fans. He thinks that's one of the biggest issues in the game at the moment. Andrew Wales, Jared Hayne, I'm over it. I hear his next big dream is to play hooker for the Sharks. Uh, seriously, though, Reynolds tripping, and I love this tough, no-nonsense usual play. Look, Reynolds tripping, uh, it's grubby, it's stupid, and it shouldn't shouldn't be allowed. Tommy Thorburn, blockers and penalties in the red zone are killing attacking footy. 
bring in five minutes in bin. I totally agree, mate. If there's three penalties in a row, captain spends five in the bin for not sorting out team discipline. Yeah, that's an option. I don't think you can sp- uh, you can bin the captain. I just think whoever gives away that third penalty should go to the sin bin. Super League are doing that at the moment. I think it's three, um, but they're obviously sin binning them for ten. I've, I've campaigned for a few years now. Oh, I totally agree. They've got to bring about the five-minute sin bin. Then you'll see the referees use it more. Simple as that. Uh, Sean Chan, will Brisbane recover in time for the finals? Well, this is a tough one. I think they will. They're going to get to the finals, but you know whether they can get some momentum and play good footy during the finals is another question. How would you bring back Farrow with Brooks out? I wouldn't. Uh, I think if, if uh, Taylor's going to stick to his guns, he, regardless of who's out, he's got to stick to his guns. How does Reynolds get away with that? No idea. Uh, even without comparing it to Rizal, he should have got a long stint. From memory, it's his fourth tripping offence. Yeah, it is. I don't know whether it's his fourth this year or his uh, fourth total, but regardless, it's his fourth without charge. Paul Aragios, uh, why have Greenberg's boys allowed Dogs players in the last year to get off murder charges? Pritchard, Cassiano, neckbreak on Widdop, Eastwood on Benji, Clemmer, preseason, suplex, storm trial, Reynolds, trip marathon. I, 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 Paul, look, I think... A lot of players are getting away with a lot. I don't think it's just the Bulldogs players. You could you could draw a line any way you want, but I think you know the judiciary and the system's got to change. It's not working. Legends of the turf foreign must be a plan a plan in waiting to replace Reynolds. Surely Des is running out of patience. Canberra's win was impressive, but South were disgraceful. Not sure the Raiders are the real deal. Just say I'm not sure the Raiders are the real deal. I think they are for 60 minutes, but they've got to they've got to be able to play 80 minutes consistently, that's for sure. Um, in terms of foreign, I think, yeah, I think the Bulldogs obviously looks like the obvious one. And uh, Des, he's got to be running out of patience. Well, I think Des is part of the problem with how those halves are playing. I think, obviously, the halves aren't playing well, but Des, I don't think, is a real strong uh, halves coach. You know, he hasn't really had halves play overly well under his tenure, uh, if you ha- if you have a look across the board. But, um yeah, that's that's just my opinion. Ross Mills, we can't complain about the NRL, but apparently Kirk Gidley carved up this week in the Super League. How bad must the Super League be? Well, the Super League's not the uh, not the NRL, obviously. Uh, David Boyle, Broncos, Broncos, Broncos. Yeah, they are, mate. They're struggling. South, Alistair Locke, you think South? Uh, the glaring um, issue coming out of this round. Yeah, well, they've been they were awful, and they've been awful for a few weeks, and nothing seems to be changing. Andrew Locke, the referees never make a decision. Oh, well, I think they do. They just make a lot of wrong ones. Um, look, if he's, if in reference to tries, tries on field, I, you know, I don't have an issue with them using the bunker, providing they need to. Uh, Chris Price, same issues as every week. Refs bunker in the judiciary. Yep. Uh, Greg Milburn, how does Reynolds not get four or five weeks for repeat offences? Well, I don't know whether he should get four or five, but he, he should get at least two. Gavin Carr, Gavin Carr, the way that the game is run in all aspects. Yep, agree. And that and Dean Jones' Snapchat stories. Yeah, Dean Jones' Snapchat stories are awful. Absolutely awful. I think the guy's stoned 24-7. Uh, Aaron Wood, how can the bunker get calls so wrong? And are the Raiders a real deal? Can they make it to the grand final? I think the Raiders can make it to the grand final. I think it's unlikely, but they, they certainly can. Um, the bunker gets calls wrong because there's so many different rules and interpretations and uh, different things that, that make them get calls wrong. And the, the game's too confusing. We need to simplify it. James Douglas, how can Reynolds still get away with tripping? Either allow someone to clock him for it or actually give him a real steal on the sidelines. I tend to agree with cracking him on. Uh, Sterlo uh, made comments similar about Andrew Fafita on, uh, on Monday Night Football, running in and pushing people and carrying on like a, a, a jerk and uh, antagonising. And the game at the moment is breeding that with the no-punch rule and 
players sort of can't sort things out between themselves, which I think is sad in a, in a physical game. I, don't, I definitely don't think people should be punching the crap out of each other, but you know, every now and then you're going to have people that disagree and they're going to uh, lock horns. Peter Ball, the match review committee consistently getting it wrong. You'd think after a few people have fought the charge and won, they would stop charging people with stupid incidental touching the ref. Frizzell will fight the charge and yet again match review will be shown to be stupid. Well, they haven't been. They've been backed and the decision's been, uh, you know, it's withstood. It's, it's been, um, it's, it's, you know, stayed. So also how Thompson can be charged after the bunker, deeming the hit unreportable is beyond me. Look, I thought they got that wrong. The, the hit uh, Thompson on Jackson was bad. Should have been a penalty on field. Jackson's not a player that stays down. He had to go off the field. He had blood coming out of his mouth. Um, it definitely was reportable. I think the bunker got it wrong, um, not the match review committee. I do believe it was a cheap shot, deserved a penalty, and maybe a week due to something coming in contact with the jaw. As I've said before, the jump up and down about a player safety, shoulder charges, throwing punches, concussion. But again and again, they miss much more important head highs, trips, dirty play in the ruck on a regular basis. Look, find it really hard to argue, Peter. Thanks for your feedback. Um, look, it's a lot of those issues are similar. A lot of them around the Josh Reynolds issue. Look, we'll jump into some more. Other Sharks lacking composure. Looked very frantic last night. Look, I think the Sharks lack discipline, and that may cost them at the end of the game. That was from Daniel Friend. Nigel Huntley, do you think the bunker will be here to stay? Yeah, I think it, I think it will be. It's, it's a long-winded uh, question, Nigel. I can't get through all of it, but I think the bunker is here to stay, definitely. Jay Strasberg, quick shout-out, Brock, for last week's podcast by yourself. I thought it was good stuff. Thank you, mate. Um, I'm doing my best while the big fella's away in Europe. Um... He's only, I think he'll be back in three weeks. I know you have some contacts, Brock. I heard a rumour Nelson, a soft owner, has been chased hard by deep pockets politis at the Roosters. Is there any truth to this? I heard uh, he was staying with us at Melbourne, and if you're unsure, can we get Mr Gossip on the case? Mate, uh, he's staying in Melbourne. Definitely staying in Melbourne. I don't need a contact to confirm that. Um, the Roosters may be ch- uh, chasing him, but he's going to stay in Melbourne. Uh, Paul Agrios, why is this game still... Why is this game still going? Should be folded. Has McGregor gone to Centrelink yet? Well, there's a lot of uh, a lot of Dragons fans unhappy with uh, Paul McGregor and the club at the moment. I can sort of understand. I think they're lucky that Newcastle are going so bad. I know I've said that for the last few weeks, but wow, the poor old Dragons. Uh, Andrew Locke, why can't NRL refs take a leaf out of the rugby union books and get... Uh, and look at their refs, how they make their decisions so quickly on tries. Listen to the other refs on the field. Love the show, boys. Thanks, Andrew. Look... I don't know whether the NRL should look at Rugby Union. I do think, though, Rugby Union have got the video review system pretty correct. They, you know, they talk and um, they, they tend to get those decisions right and pretty quickly. I think you're right there. Um, and I also think that the Rugby Union refs just... There's a culture there where they don't rely on anyone else. They just make the calls and the players get on with it. There's not a lot of replays in Rugby Union. So I think they've got their... You don't you know hear any anywhere near as much controversy coming out of Rugby Union games... Uh, Legends of the Turf, biggest issue, judicial system or the bunker? Both. Um, he said they both need an overhaul. Both are disgraceful. Reynolds needs eight weeks. Frizzell decision is mind-blowing. I agree with all that. Apart from Reynolds, I give him three or four, not uh, eight. Jaden, uh, moral. Still think Sharks and Storm are peaking too early. Cowboys and Broncos are still a chance of a repeat final. Yeah, they are, definitely. And will the bunker be fixed with... Uh, we can accept refs getting it wrong live, but when the bunker have several replays, yeah, that's fair too. Very fair. Dinos, Daniel, worse. South and the bunker, best. Storm and the Raiders. Question, 
get rid of scrums altogether or make them a contest. Uh, look, they're never going to be a contest, so we might as well get rid of them altogether. Uh, he goes on a bit of a rant, totally fed up with the bunker, makes me not want to go and watch games. It is that bad. I tend to agree, mate, it is bad. Is the bunker making worse decisions than ever before? Uh, worse it's hard to really, it's really hard to uh, compare from year to year, but look, the decisions aren't very good this year. Can the Titans make a dent in the playoffs? In spells, their forwards are awesome, really hard running and seem to gas out pretty quickly. If they could get big minutes out there from their forwards, I think they could be a real threat. Not win it, though. No, I don't think they can win it. I think they could make a dent. They could win maybe one final, maybe even two. I'm not sure, but uh, I don't expect them to go any further than, obviously, a preliminary final, and that would be a, a bit of a stretch. Shane Connors, uh, his question, do you agree with the absence of Jack Reed has been a big loss as any in the Queensland forwards for the Broncos woes? Also, can you give me a name to look out for might play in a role in the next season that he's 21 or younger? I think Tyron May is the one for me. I think uh, he's going to be very, very good, uh, whether that's at the Panthers or not. The Griffin doesn't seem to want to give him a crack at the moment. Uh, Jack Reed, look, he's, he's a loss defensively, but I don't think he's having a massive... Uh, impact in terms of how the Broncos are going. Bradley Lewis, not a question, more of a statement. Refereeing this year has been piss poor, losing fans fast. Yep. Freddie, well, when Freddie Fittler and Joey Johns are saying it on the Sunday footy show and uh, they're calling for change and Gus Gould is tweeting, give us our game back, I think, you know, we've reached an all-time low, that's for sure. David Boyle, unfortunately, didn't get to see a whole lot of footy this week. I saw my Broncos put in a woeful performance. Do you think they'll miss the eight at this rate? I don't think they will miss the eight, mate. Also, do you think there is something happening behind the scenes that's causing this effect? Bennett's origin excuse is as old as he is. Yeah, it is an, it is an old excuse. Look, I think, I don't know whether it's true or it's not true or it just looks bad, but uh, the Josh Maguire stuff, you know, sort of happened uh, at the wrong time and their form seems to have dipped uh, since then. So, you know, I, I, I don't know whether we can make much of, of, of that or draw a line uh, to, to any sort of conclusion in that that's had a major effect, but it, it certainly doesn't look good. Uh, and then there are a few comments here in regards to Jared Hayne. It's bullshit he gets to play this year. That's from Jordan Palmer. The one set of rules should apply every player. Look, you don't know the rules, Jordan. The rules are that um, it's player transfers that aren't allowed to be from, obviously, after June 30. Anyone can sign anyone from outside the game um, up until the finals, I think it is. So, And they're under the cap. So, you know, the contract doesn't put the Titans over the cap. They're more than 1.2 below the cap, so he can go in and play. I thought there was a June or July cutoff for signings and whose spot is he going to take? Some poor bastard who has busted his guts all year and gets dumped. That's from Dale Venagel. Uh, Ven I, I agree with the sentiment that he's going to take someone's spot, but in the end, it's a business. So you've got to put the best side out there. Uh, Russell Harder, better than spending all that money on DCE considering how much their current halves pair are killing it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. I think we dodged a bullet with DCE, that's for sure. Chris Samet, I'm glad the Titans got him. They deserve a break and it's an opportunity to get the fans back on board. Good luck to them. Yep, well, I'm a fan that never jumped off board um, and I'm very happy that he's uh, he's at the club. David Boyle, I'm fine with it as long as the media stop treating him like the greatest of all time. But that's not going to happen, unfortunately. Well, he's not the greatest of all time. He's got a fair bit to prove. He has won two daily and medals. He's played for... Uh, obviously, his state and country. The glaring uh, hole on his CV, similar to Jonathan Thurston prior to last year, is a premiership. So hopefully he can, uh, he can deliver one while he's at the Titans. Mitch B, Parra don't deserve Hayne back. When you support the club, a supporter club, the board comes with it. If the board cheats, the team is cheating. Simple. Yeah, I agree. The, and I, as I said before, the, um, 
Parramatta are to blame in this. You know, the Parramatta club, not Jared Hayne. I mean, if he didn't, if he wasn't offered a contract or there was mismanagement there, that's not his fault. So, Parramatta, they need to get their house in order. We've said it for a long time, or as long as this podcast has been has been running for almost four years now, uh, the place has been a basket case, and that only continues. Dinos Daniel, the next Hindmarsh, great player with no premierships. Seems money and not premierships is what Jared is after. Look, well, the Eels don't look like winning a premiership, to be fair. Um, even though their roster has improved. Look, James Hughes, you would be buzzing Lewis. Buzzing about the Hayne. He's got, obviously, me and Lewis confused. I am buzzing, but I'm going to obviously hold my uh, hold my judgment until I see what he delivers and you know whether the motivation is there for Jared. Because I've seen him have some fantastic years, but I've also seen him have some uh, real lean years. Uh, last one, Matty Timbrell as a para fan. I'm a little upset, but I hope he does well for the Titans. If there was a club that could pick him... Uh, to go to other than Para Titans would have been it. Let's hope it brings some people to the stadium and also hope it's a blessing in disguise for Para. Spend that money on Normie and continue to build. Yeah, I tend to agree. I think Bevan French to fullback. Parramatta aren't going to lose a lot. They've got a good squad there. I think the cock-up with Parramatta was letting Pete's go uh, and then obviously you had the Radradra issue. So, you know, there's been a few little mismanagements there from Parramatta, but it remains to be seen how they'll go next year. Obviously, this year's over for for the Eels and yeah a lot of different feedback there from people in regards to the Jared Hayne uh, signing last one Nigel Huntley surely Henry won't be stupid enough to play him in a full match straight up maybe Q Cup for two weeks then bring him off the bench for 20 minutes hope Titans draw some good crowds now uh, look Nigel he's been he's been training for sevens so he's he's going to be fit um, and mate he's not going to play Queensland Cup whether he should or whether he shouldn't the Gold Coast Titans are not going to put Jared Hayne in Queensland Cup. They'll have a Robbie Farrow incident on their hands. So, All right, we'll move now on to the reviews of the games from round 21. All righty, we'll quickly round these games up from round 21. The Roosters on Thursday night, 32, defeated the Broncos, 16. Look, I think that performance has been building for the Roosters. Uh, they've been good over a couple of weeks and played some stiff opposition. And look, the Broncos, their slump just continues, doesn't it? Uh, it's now becoming an issue of time. And also points for the Broncos. They you know, they only obviously need to probably win two more games, but they're only five games to go. And you know, at their current rate and on their current streak of form, that won't be good enough to get them into the finals. So they do have a little bit of an easier run coming up. And um, I think, you know... They're a lot to get there. I'd be shocked. I'd fall out of my seat if they didn't make um, the top eight. But, look, it's going to be a massive disappointment for them to not finish top four. Uh, That's still a possibility, but it looks very unlikely. And the Roosters, they're going to upset upset some teams from here on into the... uh, to the end of the year, and Penrith on Monday, Monday night better be ready to go because um, the Roosters could pull their pants down and, and really throw a spanner in the works in this top eight uh, race. Now, the Bulldogs on Friday night, 13, they defeated the Dragons, 10. Look, I said it last week, I think the Bulldogs are fool's gold. Their, their form continues that way. Um, they managed to eke out an ugly one. The Dragons, they're too sideways in the first half. They, they Sideways to sideways, they didn't run straight. Anytime they did, they looked dangerous. Um, the Bulldogs did enough. They went up 13-0 at half time. Uh, an amazing drop goal from Josh Reynolds. It was a it was a real cracker. Uh, but second half, the Dragons they straightened up their attack and they were probably unlucky unlucky in the end not to steal this game. I'm not sure whether that uh, tells you the Dragons really drastically improved in the second half or whether the Bulldogs um, their form is just 
close enough to uh, the Dragons or one of the bottom eight sort of sides. Um, the, the frustrating thing about the Bulldogs is the difference between their best and worst football is massive, and that's going to cost them come the final. So that's something they've got to look to rectify. Uh, first game on Saturday, the Warriors, Golden Point, 20, uh, defeated the Penrith Panthers, 16. The Warriors, their number comes up in the Golden Point lottery. Uh, four of the last five weeks, they've played Lotto. Uh, this week, their number came up, um, and they managed to win one with a golden try as well, and a good try to Sean Johnson. I think the Warriors, they're competing hard. They're playing with uh, good discipline, and they're holding the footy, and they're completing, and I know that sounds boring as batshit, but... Look, at this time of the year, particularly in those sort of conditions, it's, it's what you've got to do. And if a side as skillful as the Warriors can hold on to the ball and get you know, more possession than the opposition, it's, it plays twofold in the fact that they're very dangerous offensively and they're going to take a lot of gas out of the other team having to tackle them if they've got more possession. Uh, look, but I think it's a game that probably got away for the Panthers. They were really poor at critical stages. Some of their last tackle options, at the end of the game, they had a few chances to set up for a field goal and, and cock that up. Uh, look, it's, it's definitely one that got away for the Panthers and it might, might, might be one that they rue come the end of the season. Uh, the other Saturday game, or the second Saturday game, the Tigers, 23, they beat the Eels, 8, and the Eels look to have run out of a little bit of gas and they've run out of players. Uh, I don't think the Tigers are great, but they managed to tough it out. Um, and in years gone by, that's probably a game which they could have lost. I thought Mitchell Moses, he was a difference. He stepped up and took control with Brooks off the field. I know at halftime... Uh, when I heard that Luke Brooks uh, ha- had gone out of the game, I was a little bit concerned, but uh, Moses stepped up, he kicked well, he took control and, and led the Tigers to a pretty comfortable victory in the end. Look, the Eels look to be running low on motivation, troops and petrol after a long season, but uh, hopefully they can kick up and make a game of it on Friday night when they take on Manly, uh, because as Kenny Edwards said in a press conference earlier in the week, they want to try and take out as many teams as they can in their run home. And good on them, I love that mentality, and um, they're playing hard, the Eels. You, you, you can't uh, take anything away from their effort. Speaking of effort, the Melbourne Storm, 16. They defeated the Cowboys, who I thought were very, very tough, 8. Uh, Storm, look, they won the little battles within the game. Well, the game was pretty evenly poised, uh, but I think the Storm had the rub of the green with the referees. They got a lot of good calls. Um, you only got to watch the highlights to see some of them. Uh, the, the blatant kick out at, at uh, Marker when Jarvid Bowen uh, was trying to get up and play the ball. Uh, look, I, I think Melbourne... The difference probably was the Cowboys, when they got into to good field position, they couldn't convert it into points. Melbourne's defence was too good. And Melbourne, for the most part, took their chances. So it's, it's a hard game to get a form line through. I still think they're the best two sides in the comp at this point in time. Even without JT, the Cowboys threw plenty of punches and looked competitive. Uh, Sunday, 2 o'clock, the Raiders, uh, they thumped South Sydney 54-4. to The Raiders, they were far too good. The Rabbitohs, far too many errors and poor discipline. And that's been something that's... Uh, you know, been consistent with the Rabbitohs now for a long period of time. The Raiders, they're playing with an open style. They're not afraid to attack, which is going to cause a lot of sides trouble in September, particularly once the ground dries up um, and the fluency in the Raiders attack, particularly their halves. I still don't think their halves have clicked 100%. Uh, but the Rabbitohs, that, that club needs a shake-up. Something's stale there. Something's gone uh, severely off. Um, and then Michael Maguire's got to find out what it is quick and rectify it. Uh, the Sunday... Uh, main game was at Brookvale Oval. The Seagulls, they thumped the Knights 36-16. Manly, they were excellent first half, but second half, they were really poor. They dropped down to the Newcastle's level, and yeah, obviously the game was in the bag, but uh, you'd like to see Manly really ice that game. Uh, the Knights, their effort was good again, but they were, you know, they're you know going to struggle to beat sides if they turn up and play well in the run to the finals. But I do think the Knights have got a win left in them. I don't know who it's going to be against, but I think they've got one win left in them, the Newcastle Knights. 
Uh, and Friday, uh, sorry, Monday night, the round was capped off when the Titans and the Sharkies, they fought out an 18-all golden point draw. Look, the Titans started the game slowly. They were down 12-0. The Sharks looked, uh, from that point on, looked like they took the foot off the pedal and a little bit flat. Um, they won the penalty count, 11-6. They got the rub of the green big time, in my opinion, the Sharks in this game. Although the Titans were tough, strong, they never gave up. And in the end, I think the draw was probably a fair result um, out of this game. Uh, as I said before, the, the Titans came between a lick of paint uh, and, and losing the game. And the Sharks could have lost the game on multiple occasions as well. Look, the talking points out of this, there was a few... Um, Ryan James accused Wade Graham of cheating at the coin toss for Golden Point. Look, that was a ref's cock up, in my opinion. It's something that the ref should be monitoring. Who calls what and where, what it lands on? It's not hard. Um, it's just an Alan, Alan Short all stuffed up there, and you know everyone makes mistakes. Um, and the other one is just a referee during Golden Point. It was terrible. It's not a spectacle at all. I mean, it is exciting, but it's just you know. Five up for a field goal, five up for a field goal. Everyone's offside. No one's square a marker. The rules just go out the window. So I think it's ugly. We've got to we've got to do our best to tidy that up um, in the run home to the finals, and particularly in the final series. Well, obviously in the final series we're not going to have goal and point. We're going to have extra time. So another one where the rules have been changed mid year. Look, we'll take a break, and then I'm going to give you my finals tiers. So I'm going to tier the teams into different segments, and uh, I'll be interested to hear your thoughts on uh, social media, whether you agree with them or not. Alrighty, a bit of a new segment this week. Uh, I'm going to give it a trial. It's called my finals tiers. Now I'm going to rank the sides in terms of where I think they're going to finish in tiers. So obviously, if you're in the first tier, you're in the top grouping of uh, teams in terms of whether they can win the comp or not. Second tier, third tier, so on and so forth, all the way down to the bottom. Now, I'd like to uh, get as much feedback on this as we can, and I'd like you to put your tiers up on our page, whether on Twitter or Facebook, give us some feedback, send us a message, post on our page, whatever you feel like doing. Let us know what your tiers are, whether you disagree, you agree, or whether you'd have some changes in there. But look, I've ranked them into a few different ones. Guaranteed top four. Now, I think there's two sides here, the Sharks and the Storm. I've got them as definitely guaranteed top four spots. Now, in the second tier, I've got guaranteed top eight sides that competing for top four. I've got the Raiders, the Cowboys, and the Bulldogs. I think they're the only uh, five teams I'd be willing to really lock in right now and say, yes, they're definitely going to make the finals. Now, in my third tier, I've only got one team, the likely top eight side, and that is the Brisbane Broncos. I think they should uh, land there despite their current form. And then I've got in the top eight mix, I have the Titans, the Warriors, the Panthers, and the Tigers. And then in my last tier... How many have I got so far? One, two, three, four. So I've got four tiers. My fifth tier is dead. Teams that I, I think are gone. And they are the Rabbits, the Eels, the Roosters, the Knights, Manly, and the Dragons. I know Manly fans have got their hopes up in Dragons. They're still mathematical, I suppose, both those sides. But look, one loss would probably put a pen through them. And uh, they've got to win five in a row, basically, to have any shout. So I can't see that happening. Uh, but they're my tiers. Uh, let us know what you think and whack yours up. I'd be interested to see what everyone else thinks and whether you agree or disagree with mine. What we'll do now, we'll have a quick break and then we'll get into the rounds, uh, this round's preview. We'll go through all the games, all the odds and give you all our tips. Alrighty, we're going to go through our round 22 preview now. 
Thanks to you, obviously, by our wonderful sponsors, williamhill.com.au. If you're going to have a bet on any, a sport or any uh, race, trot, greyhound, you better, better bet on New South Wales greyhounds while they last. You better do it with William Hill. Uh, they've already got, I'm having a look on the mobile app at the moment, they've already got markets up for Jared Hain, round 22 first try scorer. Jared is an $11 chance. You've got Dally M winner for 2017. He's a $9 chance. Top try scorer for 2017, $2.50, Jared Hayne. And round 22 for him just to score a try this weekend is $2.20. We'll move into this weekend's round and we'll obviously make our way uh, to that game with the Titans and the Warriors. But we kick off tomorrow night. The St. George Illawarra Dragons at Wynn Stadium. They take on the Broncos. The Brisbane Broncos... They're $1.22 favourites, the St. George Illawarra Dragons. They're $4.35, and rightfully so, because I can't see them winning this game. Uh, myself, Lewis, and Mr. Gossip, we've all tipped the Broncos. Uh, moving on to Friday night's game, uh, the Parramatta Eels, they take on the Manly Seagulls at Parramatta Stadium. The Manly Seagulls, $1.40 favourites, Parramatta $2.95. And again, we've all tipped Manly. It's a game they should win. Parramatta, they look like they've run out of gas, but I expect one last little effort here. Um, from the Eels, and I wouldn't be surprised if they do cause an upset, but look, on an exposed form and, and what I saw last weekend, I think Manly should get the job done. Again, another, uh, not an easy game, but a, a short price favourite on our first game on Saturday when the Newcastle Knights take on the Canterbury Bulldogs up at Newcastle. Uh, the Dogs are $1.13, Newcastle $6. That's a similar sort of theme in most Newcastle games. Uh, we've all tipped the Dogs, so no one would be obviously surprised by that. 5.30pm on Saturday, our second game on Saturday. The Cronulla Sharks, they take on the Canberra Raiders. The Sharkies, $1.52 favourites, but the Raiders, the Raiders have been supported a little, $2.50, um, and I wouldn't be surprised if, if the Raiders do upset the Sharkies, but I'm going to stick with the Sharks. Uh, Mr Gossip staying with the Sharks, but Louie, he's tipped the upset. He's going to take, on, take the Raiders here, and um, I think that's a pretty, pretty good tip, and I think that one is close to the game of the round. Uh, our last game on Saturday night, the Melbourne Storm down again at home. They're taking on the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Melbourne $1.10, South Sydney $6.90. That's a bit of a smack in the face, and we've all taken the Storm. And again, you wouldn't be surprised with that. Uh, Sunday, the first game, the game is going to be, uh, most people will be watching to see the return of Jared Hayne. Hopefully, the Gold Coast Titans, they take on the New Zealand Warriors up at Seabus Super Stadium. The Gold Coast Titans, $1.57. The New Zealand Warriors, $2.40. Uh, myself and Mr. Gossip, we've tipped the Titans, but Louis's taken the Warriors. Um, but again, these tips were put in before the Jared Hayne signing was announced, but he can stick with the Warriors. That's what he's tipped, the big man. Uh, and the main game on Sunday afternoon is the West Tigers. They take on the North Queensland Cowboys at Leichhardt Oval. It should have been Robbie Farris' 250th game, but it wasn't to be. The North Queensland Cowboys, they're $1.45 favourites, rightfully so. West Tigers, $2.75. I'm going to stick with the Cowboys, uh, even based on what they showed last week. Um, that, that should be enough to get them over the over the Tigers. But again, it's going to be tough at uh, Leichhardt and West. They need to keep winning. Um, but yeah, myself, Gossip and Louie, we've all gone the Cowboys. And the last game on uh, Monday Night Football, the Penrith Panthers, they're at home to the Sydney Roosters. Penrith, $1.60. Roosters, $2.35. Look, Gossip and Lewis have both tipped the Panthers. I'm going to tip the Roosters. I'm going to stick with their form. I think it'll continue. Penrith, to me, are just too up and down. I 
I can't work them out. Um, it's probably a game that the, uh, the Panthers need to win more than the Roosters, but based on exposed form, I'm happy to back the Roosters again, um, and I think they'll win this game. Uh, but that wraps up the round. That wraps up our tips. That wraps up the odds. Um, we'll come back. We'll have a bit of a chat about our sponsors, um, and then we'll finish up the podcast. I'll upload it, and I'll go and watch this Danny Green versus Watts fight. Just before we finish up, we'll get into our sponsors. Obviously, Kaizen Sports Performance, they've come on board this year. They're devoted towards bridging the gap between amateur and elite sport. They're on a mission to provide all athletes the opportunity to experience high-performance training, resources, and support that only elite athletes receive. Our business services include performance academies, functional movement screenings, team building and leadership workshops, and pre-season camps. The Kaizen Rugby League Summer Academy, that's in planning at the moment. Trust me on that one. It's coming soon, so check them out on Facebook at Kaizen Sports Performance to keep up to date with all activity. Uh, Pete, Chris, and uh, Big Aaron and the boys, they're working hard on that Summer Academy, so keep your eyes peeled. Uh, whether I, my contract is renewed, then you know they might have to give me a pay rise. Uh, we'll see what happens out of that. Uh, but the first academy went off really well. Everyone was happy with it. So I look forward to hopefully going around again with the boys over the summer um, and into the new year. Rugby League Coaching Manuals, I've got an article upcoming this week. Uh, it'll be in uh, the August edition of uh, the Rugby League Coaching Manuals Coach Talk. So keep your eyes peeled for that one. Sign up. But as a rugby league coach, you have many different jobs. Some include being a mentor, a teacher, a leader, a counsellor, and a drill sergeant. One of the most important roles as a coach is getting the best out of your players. If you are there to get the best out of your players, who is there to get the best out of you as a coach? It's RLCM. They have been providing coaching educational material to their coaches since 93 through their flagship publication, Coach Talk, DVDs and drill books. All of this material is now available online through your very own RLCM membership, which gives you access to hundreds of articles and videos on coaching rugby league. In addition to this, you also receive access to online courses, an invitation to the monthly coaching webinar, plus a new edition of Coach Talk every month. To start your 30-day free trial, just visit rlcm.com.au and join as a foundation member today. Alrighty, and obviously our major sponsor, williamhill.com.au. We're going to do our charity bet now. I'm going to have a little bit of a bow peep, and uh, we'll see what we can come up with this weekend. Let me open up this uh, William Hill app. And look, I'm going to have a, uh, I'm going to have another multi bet this week. I'm going to have the Gold Coast Titans to beat the New Zealand Warriors with Jared Hayne on board, and I'm going to have the Sydney Roosters to upset the Penrith Panthers on Monday Night Football. Uh, whack both of them together. That pays uh, three dollars sixty-eight. Um, obviously, with a hundred-dollar bonus bet, that'll that'll give us a return of uh, into the charity account, hopefully, of two hundred and sixty-eight dollars and ninety-five cents. So. Currently, our charity balance, it stands at $1,512.50. So we've got a, a fair bit of cash in there, but we'd like to raise a little bit more between now, obviously, and the end of the season. Uh, but that wraps up this week's podcast. Thanks again uh, for sticking by the podcast while the big fellas away. I hope uh, I'm meeting everyone's needs and standards. Uh, and look, I'll keep uh, waving the flag. We obviously had Mr. Gossip away again this week, uh, away last week. So hopefully he's back on board next week. But um, even if he's not, we'll keep... Uh, plugging along if you'd like to see anything added in or changed or something that you don't like um, let me know but look it'll only be two more shows I think with me or might be three more but 
uh, until the big fella arrives back in the country. But uh, stick with us. I'm doing my best, and uh, I've really enjoyed doing it by myself. So I hope you guys are enjoying it as well. Um, and enjoy your week, and enjoy your rugby league, as Big Louie would say. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.